What is up, people? You are listening into New Generation Sports Talk. I am your host, EJ Stewart. Happy divisional round week in the NFL playoffs. We'll be talking about all of the games in the final eight in the NFL. We'll also be recapping some of what happened in Super Wildcard Weekend and talking about some of the controversy regarding Lamar Jackson and will he stay in Baltimore. The Baltimore Brass head coach John Harbaugh, GM Eric DeCosta spoke about it this Thursday, so we will talk about that as well. So thank you all for listening in to New Generation Sports Talk. I am your host, EJ Stewart, joined by my co-host, Shamari Stewart. Sham, what's up, man? What is up, EJ? Um, yeah, I mean, I'm just, you know, glad to be here another week, another another good week of football. Um, you know, we're getting deeper into the playoffs. And, uh, yeah, it started getting closer to the conference championships and then eventually the Super Bowl. So it's exciting. Yes, it is exciting. You know, like this is what I, what I love about this week. I think we saw some of that this past weekend is I, I love that we're at now the point of the season where you're starting to see some elite play. You know, you're starting to see teams. Some of these teams played each other a couple of times this season. Uh, some of these teams have some familiarity. And you're seeing the, the best the best teams. And I think you saw some really good games last weekend, particularly on Sunday, uh, whether it be the Dolphins game or the Dolphins-Bills game or the, or the Giants-Vikings game. You know, really, you know, tough playoff football, which is what we want to see. And as we get further into the playoffs, while it's sad that we're getting closer to the end of the NFL season, I love the fact that you're starting now to see truly elite play. And I think this divisional round, one of my favorite uh, rounds of all of you know sports when it comes to postseason, uh, four games or rather, uh, yeah, four games and, and elite play uh, from each conference. So it should be good. So uh, let's talk about it. let's talk about this uh, the, the divisional round matchup. So um, there's eight teams left in the tournament. We got both number one seeds. In action on Saturday, you get the Chiefs hosting the Jaguars, who overcame a 27-point deficit and four first-half interceptions to beat the Chargers in an absolute wild game in Jacksonville last Saturday. Uh, you also have the Eagles hosting the Giants on Saturday. They will be uh, coming off of a big win off of the over the Minnesota Vikings game, which they won on the road. Uh, one of my favorite games of the weekend in terms of just the competition level between both teams. And then on Sunday... More good games. You got the Bengals traveling to Buffalo, which should be quite the emotional scene considering these were the two teams that were on the field when DeMar Hamlin suffered cardiac arrest. DeMar Hamlin had rejoined the team this past week, which, you know, was obviously awesome for that that fan base and that team. Um, and and the, the Bengals, who really, you know, survived a nail-biter. Both of these teams really survived nail-biters against division opponents. Both the, the Ravens and the Dolphins playing backup quarterbacks, but they gave... Great fights in their uh, matchup, their first-round matchups against both the Bengals and Bills. But those two teams will square off in Orchard Park. And the Sunday nightcap, yeah, the 49ers and Cowboys, probably the teams maybe look the most impressive in the wildcard weekend. The 49ers took care of business against the Seahawks after getting a pretty good first punch from the Seahawks in the first half. They blew out the Seahawks in the second half. And the Cowboys just annihilated the Buccaneers. I'm sure we'll talk plenty about that game as well. So, uh, that Cowboys 49ers game, a rematch of last year's wild card game. A lot of you will remember it was the game where they were unable to spike the ball in time after Dak Prescott ran for 12 yards with no timeouts. It was a uh, calamity of errors, to to say the least, when it came to clock management. So those teams playing again in the postseason this time in California should make that an interesting matchup given the history of not just 
honestly, the game from last year, but also just the history that goes between these two organizations and the playoff matches that happened in the early 90s and late 80s. So um, plenty, plenty to talk about, Sham. I guess let's start with let's 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 start with the Cowboys, honestly, because the Cowboys, that was the last thing we saw play. Um, they played on Monday night. And like I said before, they really throttled the Buccaneers in a game that a lot of people were very skeptical. You know, we said on this podcast last week that even though the Buccaneers seem like a sorry team with the way the Cowboys have been playing and with the way Tom Brady has been accustomed to making these comebacks, you kind of just assume that maybe this is, you know, here we go again. And Tom Brady will find a way to get a rabbit out of his hat and pull off another, uh, you know, miracle. But that was not at all in the cards, as you saw. I mean, they thoroughly dominated the Buccaneers uh, wire to wire. So when you look at this matchup with the 49ers, uh, do you see uh, a team that is ready to play, play a team that caliber? You know, the 49ers are such a physical team. Um, but they've been one of the best teams all season. How do you square away this matchup right now? Um, uh, so I do think the Cowboys are ready to play them, but they, I mean, they have to play very well. Um, you know, and it's, it's one of those things is like, what, which Cowboys are we seeing? Yeah. Um, that's, that's kind of the big question, but if they show up and they play, uh, they played on Monday, um, then this should be a very good game. And, and look, I'm, I just, I'm not going to stop saying it. I don't know if EJ, if you're going to stop, if you're ever going to stop saying it, but you know, the question mark is what is Brock Purdy going to do? Is he going to be there? Is he, is he going to, is he going to, you know, be the rookie that drives this team through the Super Bowl? Yes. He has a fantastic pieces around him, but he's a quarterback. He's has to make these plays. And, you know, he's going to have, you know, Parsons and, and a lot of playmakers on that Dallas defense that are going to be coming after him. So, you know, I mean, is he is he is he going to rise to the occasion? I, I don't know. I don't know. So that's that really is kind of the, the another piece that I feel like is just very important. If Purdy is stout and plays well, I think it's going to be a shootout but but you know i think the cowboys defense is good enough to where they can make it so that it doesn't look as easy as it did for them against seattle so so i that's kind of the thing that i'm looking for yeah it's it's tricky because it's like you know i don't want to be that guy who like you know says oh you know the cowboys watch them get ready to blow this thing against the box as much as i didn't want it to happen and then when they beat the Bucks, say, well, that was a sorry team that sucked anyway. Like, you know, Cowboys fans were very excited for that win because so many people were saying mm-hmm. that they were going to lose. So I, I don't want to just give them no credit for doing what they really should have done to the Buffalo, to, to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. The fact that we even had doubt that they could do that, I think, speaks to just how poorly they played down the stretch. But at the same time, the Buccaneers are not anywhere near in the same league as the 49ers now you mentioned Brock Purdy he had his first go around last week and he looked great um he, he played a, a a pretty decent first half and then he played a excellent second half and he looked like the same old Brock Purdy that um which is kind of crazy it's like same old Brock Purdy is this guy we've only seen for you know a couple of weeks but but the guy that we've seen pretty much as he took over the job I mean he 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 was he had maybe his best half of play in that second half so 
I don't know if he's going to turn into a pumpkin. Like, at this point, I think it may be unfair to keep waiting for that. Like, he just may be who he is. And, you know, if he plays poorly, it won't be because he's Brock Purdy. He's just going to play poorly because another team game planned and schemed and put together uh, a system that was able to, to, to beat him one week. So, I think it's a good game. I think in some ways I, I do worry about this matchup for the Cowboys in the, sake, in the sense that I worry about any – offense going up against that hellacious 49ers defense like credit to Geno Smith I, I mean I thought that for about three quarters he really gave his team a chance like he he you know he was tough um he made some really great throws at the way he got uh uh DK Metcalf involved early and often I, I really love that um I think you probably will see the uh you'll probably see the Cowboys try to replicate that to some degree with CD Lamb I think you'll try to see them um, take some big shots down the field. I think maybe they, that the the secondary Jimmy Ward did not. He was a very good player. Did not have a great game last weekend. I wonder if uh, maybe you see them attack him a little bit, uh, seeing a weakness there. I think it's a good game. I do think that the 49ers I would I would still favor because when it comes to that that defense that the 49ers have, the ability to take the ball away and that Prescott's ability to give it away. Still concerns me. And then I don't know what the deal is with Meyer, uh, the field goal kicker. I mean, he missed like four extra points last week. It, it, you know, who knows? I know they brought in another guy this week who I guess is not going to be the emergency kicker if Meyer, you know, starts screwing up again. But I, I don't feel good if you need to start signing an emergency kicker to take a roster spot at a time when you're, you know, playing in the playoffs when every roster spot matters. I mean, that's not a good sign for where he is. So, so between Meyer, I think between, you know, Dak, you know, keep, keep the turnovers down. That's going to be key. He did a, a exceptional job last week and it was actually the Cowboys who were forcing the turnovers, not the Cowboys giving away the ball, but that's going to be the key, man. Uh, that, that 49 defense is so tough. They can turn the ball over, uh, turn you over in multiple ways. It's going to be crucial for Dak to keep his, uh, keep the ball in the possession of the Cowboys. Absolutely. Um, I mean, Dak's able to, to play well, um, I I don't know. I feel like if this is a sh- honestly, I feel like if this is a shootout, it favors Dallas. That's just how I honestly feel. I kind of um, agree with you, and I, you know, and there are several reasons for that. I think Dak, when he's hitting on all cylinders, um, and again, that's not all the time, which is why we don't put him in the Burl, Allen, et cetera, whatever category. But when he's hitting on all cylinders, he is of that caliber. Mm-hmm. He is a top-level quarterback, elite quarterback. When he is in that mode, when he's in the zone, and if he plays like that, and Pollard is, is doing what he does, and Zeke, and CD, like if they're all if they're all playing, you know, um, um, Schultz and... If, if all those guys show up, yeah, and one thing, Tony Pollard, uh, I mean, who guy who looked banged up, I mean, he he looked really good he looked last great. week. He so, looked great. So any looked, worry about him being injured, I don't know if we could talk about that anymore. Yeah, he had a lot of pop, you know, and and um, so he didn't he didn't look like someone who was having trouble. So yeah, there, he's as far as I'm concerned, he looks like how he looked before. And so if this offense, if, if this offense is popping and they are scoring. You know, and San Francisco has good offensive pieces as well, but it's just the the rate at which how fast Dallas can score because they're so fast is just 
I don't know if San Francisco's offense would be able to keep up. Their defense has to really hold Dallas to like less than twenty points. Yeah, I but mean, I would argue, I would argue that the only chance the Cowboys have is to make this shootout. You know what I'm saying? Like, I think, maybe. I think if they're, if they're really playing, they're if they're playing, you know, a a, a bare knuckle fist fight kind of game. I don't think that favors them well. Um, I think that that is a very comfortable <laughs> place for the 49ers to be. That's the way they like to play. I think that if the Cowboys are going to win, they're going to have to make big plays. They're going to have to get this into a track meet. Now, I don't, I'm not necessarily. I wouldn't be necessarily thrilled to get into a trap with the 49ers, given their weapons. I mean, you could argue that the Seahawks kind of tried to do that last week, and that went terribly for them. They gave up 41 points. But I think that that kind of was the game you kind of had to play against them. Like You did have to take some big shots. Uh, you did have to, 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 to make some gambles and, 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 and try to really play through your stars and, and score a lot of points to beat them. It's just to do that for four quarters and to outscore a team that has Debo Samuel, Brandon Ayuk, Christian McCaffrey, and George Kittle, uh, and then you you have to play. Yeah, and you have to no in order to get track. Me, you also have to actually play well offensively. You have to play well for four quarters uh, against that defense. So I'm not sure if I'd be eager to get into a track meet, but I also think that if it's somehow my offense can't move the ball at all and I'm in a, a slugfest, that doesn't work well because yeah. given that uh, given that offense short fields. To work with and think your defense is going to be able to hold up it, to me the the, the the Niners are scoring 24 points it's a matter of you know mm-hmm. uh, can you keep them around that number and that number only don't let them get into the 30s and 40s like it got away last week uh but like but yeah I think that if it, you're talking about a game that's stuck there but you can't score I think you're losing yeah and I, and I thought Kellen Moore did a good job as well I thought their play calling was great. I thought every everything yeah. everything everything was great on 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 uh, Monday. If they if they show yeah. up like that again, I think they have I think they have a good chance. I don't think the Niners are safe here at all. Yeah, the Cowboys look like a team that had been waiting for this moment. They look like a team that right. got tired of the regular season. I know they did have technically the carrot of getting that first number one seed out there, but I don't know if, if that motivates them clearly because they didn't play like it. And they look like a team that just wanted to get to the postseason. And, you know, for a team that uh, did have a home home playoff game last year in the wild card round and then flopped the way they did, I, I could see them maybe saying, look, what happens here won't really matter if we don't get it done in, in, in the postseason. So uh, credit with credit due, they did, uh, they did take care of business there. Um, going back to Saturday, let's stay in the NFC real quick. How, how, how much do you, are you now a believer in the Giants? I mean, the Giants, you know, they, 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 they took care of, of business and beat the Vikings in a game that a lot of people were picking them to win, but it was still kind of stunning to see given just how much talent the Vikings have and, and the, the giants kind of being seen as the little sisters of the poor. But I don't know if really you can say that about them anymore. I mean, Daniel Jones was a warrior in the game. One of the best giant performances probably ever in a playoff game. It just the way his running his throwing. It was just remarkable. Do you think that they now have a realistic shot to knock off the Eagles? Given how these, well, given what you saw last week, um, I do, and, and 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 I primarily say that because of of um because of the, their coach and the change in culture. Um, you know, um, I mean, Brian Dable has done an amazing job with with the Giants. I mean, it's like it's re- literally like night and day. 
um, with largely the same pieces. Many would say less pieces um, <laughs> than yeah. what they started with or what they had last year. So, so yeah, it's it's been incredible to see. And then Daniel Jones, like you said, Daniel Jones is seeing how much better he he has been playing, how much better he is. Now, again, it's like you can't help but see, oh, wow, you know, they really work with this guy. Yeah. And, you know, um, and I've seen other, a lot of other uh, people say this as well, but I really think, you know, Dayball is just kind of one of those coaches where it's like, you know, if Daniel Jones, ha- if there's a quarterback in him, Dayball's going to drag it out of him. He's going to yeah. get as much quarterback <laughs> as, as much good quarterback as he can get out of him. And we're going to see what he has. And I think lad, the last game that they had uh, was a good showcase of that. And I think a lot of it is also going to be on um, on on uh, Saquon as well. Saquon looked fantastic in the last game. I feel mm-hmm. like that's another thing that kind of isn't being talked about as much. But he looked fantastic. I watched this game. I'm like, wow, this guy looks like a, one of the best backs in the league. Easy. Yeah, it's like um, – he looked a little like a little worn down, like towards the middle slash end of the season when the Giants started yeah. sputtering. He didn't look like that on Sunday. No, he looked like the way he looked to start the season. Yeah, it's like wow. I was like wow. Look at this guy. You know, like this is, you know, I saw, I saw when I saw when he how he started that game. I was like, I knew, um, you know, I knew Minnesota was in trouble. I was like, no, they're in trouble. They scored way too easy when they when they got that first. Yeah. Pass. Yeah, uh, I too. Oh, yeah. This is this is a problem. They they scored very they made that look really easy. If yeah. they if they if they're able to score like that on on Philly, then that is going to be a problem. Um so yeah, now I think I think Philly's defense is better, um much better and I think I think I think this is going to be a real test for uh Daniel Jones. If he that's why I'm I'm still picking the Eagles personally. Um, I think this is if 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 the Giants come out of this game and Daniel Jones plays well, that would be extremely impressive to me. Mm-hmm. And I'd be like, well, this was their test. They could do a Super Bowl run if they're able to. Yeah, if you feel like if they win this game, they could win the Super Bowl. Yeah, they could win the Super Bowl if they win this game. Absolutely, because um, at that point I'd be like, no, they they've proven themselves. This is a very legit team with a legit quarterback, <laughs> with a legit coach, a legit. Mm-hmm. Running game, definitely a legit offense, and a good and a good enough defense. It'll be like no, I mean they can they can make a run. It'll be it's still an improbable run, but they can do it. So mm-hmm. yeah, I mean they they can. I don't think it's likely, but I think they can. Yeah, I mean I talk about this a, a ton on WFAN uh, New York. Shout out to uh, WFAN talking about this game because that that Giants win was so interesting because. Everything I felt like they did in that game well that suited them well to win that game, I don't think would work against the Eagles mm-hmm. because so much of that was one Daniel Jones running as much as he mm-hmm. was, and look the the Vikings have a slower, older defense. They just let go of the defensive coordinator Donatel, who was falling out of favor there. It appears so like the the Vikings had a lot of defensive issues, and the Giants making it. Uh, uh, basically kind of putting their weaknesses on front street by saying, look, we're going to run our quarterback because they're an older, slower team. And we're also going to attack these corners on the outside because we don't think they can cover anybody, even though their re- Giants receivers are not necessarily a, a, you know, it's not like you got, you know, John Taylor and Jerry Rice out there. <laughs> like, yeah. 
you know, this is a middling at best receiving core, but the Giants knew that the Vikings had trouble covering people. I think if you try to play that way, you're going to get destroyed by the Eagles. Like, the Eagles have two top-notch corners in Bradbury and Slay. The Eagles have a, a pass rush that is just ferocious. Four guys with double-digit sacks. I think putting Daniel Jones in harm's way that often against that Eagles defense would be dangerous. So, I don't think you can play that way against them. Now, when people have beat the Eagles, it's been by essentially running down their throat. Even if you're not like necessarily like getting huge, huge chunks, just consistently running and moving the chains is fine enough. And Saquon's capable of doing that. Now, last week, Saquon only had nine carries, but he had, I think, also he had like he had like five or six catches. He ended up having a hundred over a hundred yep. yards of scrimmage yards. So they they did a smart they did they were smart with how they got him the ball in multitude of ways. But I think for the Giants to win, they're gonna have to play totally different. They're gonna have to play a lot more of a ball uh, a ball possession or uh, you know kind of run between the tackles kind of game. And that we just know is not gonna probably inspire a, a big offensive output for the Giants. Now you're saying, all right, can their defense hold? And um, one of the things I talked about on the, on the, on the fan earlier this week as well, was that I felt, uh, I, I thought Wink Martindale did a fantastic job of number one, taking away Justin Jefferson mm-hmm. and number two, dialing down the blisses. So that his team was able to actually play more coverage and make Kirk Cousins read defenses and go off of Justin Jefferson, have to go to second and third progressions. I just think the Eagles are so balanced offensively with their weapons. This is hard to take away really one thing. If you take away one thing, you're going to have a massive problem. If you say we're going to take away A.J. Brown, you're going to have a massive problem covering Devontae Smith. They had a huge issue covering him in their first matchup when the Eagles beat them by like 100 points at MetLife in December. You say we're going to take try to take away two of their receivers, well, then Dallas Goddard can hurt you. You say we're going to take away the passing game, well, then Miles Sanders can hurt you. You're going to say we're going to take away Miles Sanders, well, then Jalen Hurts can hurt you in the running game. Like, there's just so much to take away where the Vikings, as talented as they were offensively, were a bit a little more one-dimensional. You can't really say that about the Eagles. So that's why I think this is a bad matchup. I think that's why that first matchup was very telling of, of what these teams were. I don't really want to take much into the, the last matchup those teams played because, one, the Eagles, while they did have number one seed on the line, they that to me was more of a tune-up game than anything. You had Justin, Jalen Hurts coming back from injury. Um, yeah, Giants team that they knew were going to be playing their backup. So I don't think they're they're – showing all their best stuff. I think that they're just kind of working out the kinks, knowing that they'll probably win if they play okay, which is what happened. I think that first game they played, albeit I think that was without Dory Jackson, which was huge. Um, that, I think, was a little more telling of, of what these two teams are. Yeah, I mean, I think so, too. I, I think the Eagles, that's a big reason why I think they'll win. I think on on the offensive side of the ball particularly, they're just so dangerous and... Um, Jalen Hurts has been so great this season. Um, you know, you can literally count on one hand the amount of like kind of major mistakes you saw, you've seen him make throughout the season. Outside of that, he's been good to great all season. So, you know, and this is this is and again, he's been good to great leading up to this moment. Yeah. This is the moment. This is what he's been playing for. And that whole team, this is what that whole team has been playing for. And I can't, I can't fathom the thought of them just not showing up because that's what would happen. They, that's what would have to happen because they have too much talent. They have way too much talent. They're healthy. Hertz is playing. 
He looked good in the, in the last game that he played, and he has his legs. It's not a situation where they're like, oh, we don't want him to get hit. This is the time for him to use his legs and put make sure this Giants team is at a disadvantage completely um, and that they don't know what to do. So, yeah, I don't think – I don't think that I don't see the Giants defense stopping the Eagles offense. Um, I just think there's just there's there's just too much. That's just too much for them to handle. I, I think the Eagles are going to win this. Yeah, I, I do as well. I don't think the Giants. I don't say they have no shot because it's a divisional game and the Giants are tough. They showed that last week. I, right. They impressed me a lot last week. But I, I think that I would be shocked if they win this game. I really would be shocked. Like I said, they win this game. They, they could be anybody. In my opinion. Yeah. Um, let's shift to the AFC. So let's start with the Saturday game. Jacksonville, KC, Jacksonville. I mean, it was so first of all, can I get at some people? Like I I one of my pet peeves is when you say something that is true and then something happens that has really nothing to do with what you said, but yet people are like, Oh, you owe that man an apology. I feel like that was happening with that Jaguars game. Because Trevor Lawrence, like I talked about it last week, I I you know, I was very concerned about the Chargers because they're the Chargers, but I said Trevor Lawrence just didn't look ready in that game against Tennessee, so I don't think he'll be ready in this game against Los Angeles. Mm-hmm. And that was true. Like, that was true. He clearly wasn't ready. He threw four picks in the first half, and he looked awful. The whole team looked awful. That's why they were down 27-7. At one point, they were down 27-0 in the first half. And then what you get on Twitter is you know, they made their comeback. Trevor Lawrence has a great first ha- second half, and credit to him, credit to the whole Jaguars team for for not quitting and, and finishing that game through. Then you get people saying, "Oh, well, you people need to, uh, you know, you owe people, Trevor Lawrence an apology and you need to delete those old tweets." What I said it was true. If you watched him play last week, you would have known he wasn't going to be ready for this game. He wasn't ready for this game. Now he got ready in time to turn it around. But against most teams, that wouldn't have been enough to win that game. And it was against the Chargers because the Chargers can't manage their way out of a paper bag, to quote the great Adam Shine. So I, that's just the only thing I say. One of my biggest pet peeves right now in sports is you owe this person or that person an apology. When you say something that's true. Like, people who were clowning Trevor Lawrence were right. He was playing terrible. It wasn't saying that he's going to be the worst quarterback ever or he can't ever win a playoff game or he's not going to be a superstar or anything like that. We were saying he looked like garbage because guess what? He looked like garbage. Credit to him for for having the guts and the guile to bring his team back. Well, let's stop with the you owe this man an apology thing. No, you only owe a guy an apology if you say a guy can never do something and then they do something or something like that. You can't say, you can't analyze a guy playing and say he's playing terrible. And then when he plays well, say, well, you owe him an apology now. That's just one of my biggest pet peeves. I'm hearing a bunch this year with Julius Randle as a Nick fan. And it annoys the hell out of me because I'm like, Julius Randle was a bum last year. Like, the fact that he's playing great this year has nothing to do with how he played last year. So, no, we don't owe an apology, but I'm very thankful that he's playing <laughs> like a real all-star this year. It's like this, the the old, the old this man apology or old, old this woman apology thing in sports needs to be retired. It's a stupid saying. Anyway, that's the random EJ rant for today. I will say with this Jaguars, Jaguars-Chiefs game, I mean, what's the line on this? I guess I saw it was like eight and a half last time I saw. I, I mean, this... This looks like a, a this looks like a mismatch. I mean, this yeah, it's eight and a half. I, I kind of I think I, I if I was saying I'd be running to that if I was for the Chiefs <laughs> to me like I'd be running to that. eight and a half. I'm talking about basically a little more than a touchdown. Just saying, it's gonna be a two score game. I don't know. Trevor Lawrence 
I think he showed. I don't want to do him and make this a bad show. I'm just thinking, it really, it's not. That's not what's in my heart right now. But you know, he's already talking. Oh, like I can't imagine our would be that much louder than it was in Jacksonville this past Saturday. I'm like, all right, buddy. I mean, I don't know. I don't know what to tell you, man. Sometimes maybe uh, ignorance uh, is 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 good in a situation like this, so you don't know what you're getting yourself into. But man, he one day I know he can't play the way he played in that first half to, in, in this game. And I, I think for the Jaguars, they can't start how they started these last two games. Not just this game, but also that Tennessee game. Like, mm-hmm. those starts are just not going to cut it. Like, they got to play extremely well from the get-go. Is I wouldn't completely rule it out only because, well, at least now they've played two elimination games and they know what they do know what that's like. And the Chiefs, while they have, is more, they have more experience than anyone playing that's left. But... At least for the Chiefs, they, they, they didn't play in a week. So there is that rust factor. So could they kind of sneak attack the Chiefs and maybe get out to a 10 nothing lead? You know, maybe there's an early miscue or something like that. That wouldn't be completely out of the equation, but that to me is the only chance they win. Like, it, like they have to, to kind of, like, suck upon the Chiefs immediately and then get out to a lead and try to play ahead, play from ahead. If they're playing from behind early, it's going to be lights out quick. Yeah. Um, yeah. This this has like the this has the makings of like a very lopsided blowout type of type of matchup. Um, and again, it's not even to say anything bad about Trevor Lawrence or or um, you know or any or Peterson or anything like that. I think it's just the teams. It's just it's like it's literally like you know like in the NFL street. Days and for those that remember that game, where it's just a pickup game, and one team has all the talent, and the other team doesn't have as much talent, and it's just—I mean, who has a better chance of winning? The team that has all the talent. It's just—I mean, there's not much else. There's nothing Trevor Lawrence can do about that. There's nothing Doug Peterson can do about that. There's nothing, you know, Travis Etienne, who is who has been very impressive as well. He's looked great. Season. Um, nothing he can do about that. There's nothing anybody can do about that. One team has an, an immense talent, the other team doesn't. If you put if you put, you know, Kelsey and Juju and all those guys on, on Jacksonville, then they have a much better chance of winning. But those guys aren't on Jacksonville. So, I don't know. I mean, it's just – and, um, you know, I think I think Kansas City's running game is going to be a big part of that. I think Pachenko has been very impressive uh, this season. They've been playing him a lot. And, you know, I think if he has a, a solid game, so just to keep Jacksonville's defense on their toes – then I think the Chiefs are going to win this easily. Uh, it's hard for me to see. And the Chiefs' defense has been playing very well as well. Um, so this, for Jacksonville to have a chance, they have to be a shootout and they have to get turnovers. I think that's, that's to me, that's the only chance they have. Um, so, yeah, I don't, I, don't, I don't expect this. And I, I, I hate predicting blowouts, but I don't expect this to be particularly close at all. I'd be shocked if this were... If this were close, I'd be like, wow, the Chiefs are very underperforming right now. Because um, this doesn't seem like a Burrow last year with the Bengals and situation where you're like, no, Burrow and Chase and in in a squad of receivers and a squad of, you know, a lot of like playmakers on like, yeah, playmakers on defense. And they're like, no, I mean, this team, this team can definitely like play with the Chiefs. You know, they right. can do that. They're talented enough to do that. I don't think Jacksonville is talented enough to do that. Um, you know, they have to get more pieces. They can do that in the offseason. 
I'm not saying next year they can't be. Next year they can be. I mean, they were able to get this far with these guys. Right. But but right now, they're not, in my opinion. I think it's just, just a roster. Just based on roster alone, they're just not. So I don't think this is going to be close. Yeah, I think the Chiefs, you talk about their defense, too. I think they got too much speed on defense, too. Um, you know, yep. when I think of Snead, when I think of Justin Reed, who they brought in, um, I think of Nick Bolton. Like, we've seen Evan Ingram kind of come alive, uh, you know, yep. this, this these last past few weeks. He's going to have a lot tougher matchup with some of the, the safeties and, and linebackers he's going to have to deal with this week. Yeah, I think it's a bad matchup. I think it's a bad matchup. I think most weeks you'd say, hey, the Chiefs, you know, you give them a shot here. I mean, the Jaguars, because of how they're playing, maybe give them a shot. It's just tough this week. Um, I'm... I will be interested to see how they attempt to block uh, Chris Jones, who's an yep. absolute monster and has had, you know, maybe the best year of his career and what is slowly but surely becoming maybe the Hall of Fame career. Yep. Uh, I think he's maybe one of the more underrated players in the NFL. I'm very curious to see uh, how they handle him, how they handle the protection. The rookie, George Karolafagas, Car- also has had a pretty solid season. Mm-hmm. So, um, very good team. There's a reason why they're number one seed. That this does look like a tall order to say the least. Um, but let's talk also about this Buffalo Bills Bengals game. And I think for me, this is definitely the most interesting game. It's like almost because we got that little kind of teaser of what these teams look like against each other in a pivotal big game. And it was taken away so quickly with the DeMar Hamlin situation. And so much has changed since then. Uh, not necessarily changed in terms of like the teams themselves, but just like, I guess just the emotional wherewithal the emotional well-being of these teams and just the energy around these fan these franchises uh they both really i think it's fair to say they both struggled last week despite winning i mean the bills got out to a 17 nothing lead but then uh they made a litany of errors that let the dolphins get right back in it and they almost gave it away uh the dolphins had the ball <laughs> with the uh you know to with a chance to, to go take the lead or, or go win the game even if they wanted to and Bills are able to hold on, and then the Bengals. I mean, that 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 was a, I think that was a terrible performance from them. I mean, considering you're playing against a team without Lamar Jackson, and it's like a miracle, you know, fumble at the goal line that was returned for a touchdown for you to win. Uh, not not necessarily the sharpest game from the Bengals either. And you know, I kind of wonder if they kind of went into that game kind of thinking, okay, you know, like Joe Mixon is saying, we are the big dogs of the AFC, so. They don't got, you know, their quarterback. We should be able to just walk in there and just smack these guys because we smacked them last week. And uh, they almost got got. That was a, They played with fire with how they played in that Ravens game. But I think when you do look at these teams this week, I, I think that both of these teams, I think, will play their best ball. Uh, you could argue maybe neither of these teams have played very well since that incident happened. You could definitely say that for the Bills. Maybe you say the Bengals played well the first time they played against the Ravens. But three of the four games those teams played since that happened, I don't think that those teams played well. I think that now that they're playing against each other and now it's kind of for all the marbles to some degree with the divisional you know, round happening and a chance to go back to the eighth championship game on the line, I think that you'll see a lot sharper team from both sides. Both these teams will kind of know what to expect given that they did have a full week of prep and they did actually play a little bit on the, on the, on the you know in a game. So the preparation going into it, you'll know what certain teams are trying to take away. But I think there also will be some... There'll be some intrigue and some like mystery for both teams because I'm sure there's things that those teams didn't get to in those first that first matchup that they'll want to try to you know get to in this game. So some of that preparation that you did in that first game you probably don't completely throw out like for this one I would think. So th- this to me is an extremely fascinating matchup. How, how do you see it? 
Yeah, it's going to be a good matchup. It's, you know, this is a heavyweight fight. This is the playoffs that we want to see. Now, you know, of course, there's a lot of, like, you know, trauma and and everything that's still lingering from the DeMar Hamlin incident. Um, But, you know, thankfully being that he's healthy and will certainly be watching this game Mm -hmm. um, and all of that, you know, we can... um, I guess I guess we'll see how everything turns out now. Um, now with both of these teams, I'm I'm predicting a Bengals win personally. Um, I just I feel the Bengals have looked so good all season. They did not look good in that last game. I agree with you. Um, I feel like I don't know. I, I just I feel like they're I feel like their talent. Particularly on offense, um, I feel like it's going to put them over, and and I feel like they have enough playmakers on defense that to where they can make plays like that, like the play they made to win the last game. You know, whether it be fumbles, interceptions, um, and the Bills have been a little prone to that lately, which is very unlike very unlike them, but but. I feel like that's. I feel like plays like that may make the difference in this game, um, but I do see the Bengals winning, and and I could easily see them running running to the table and just just winning a Super Bowl as well. This team has looked, this team has looked fantastic. Um, you know, I feel like everyone's been kind of, or I feel like a lot of people that watch Joe Burrow at LSU have been predicting a Super Bowl from him is imminent. Uh, since seeing <laughs> since seeing him run through every team in college football. Um, and then seeing him run through a lot of teams last year to get to the Super Bowl, and then seeing him do the same thing this year, you know, you just kind of start getting that feeling. So I think the Bengals are going to win this one. Yeah, I think the Bengals are going to win, but I, I do, I do wonder how if they're going to be able to protect Joe Burrow. I felt like some of those yeah. issues we talked about for a lot of last season and even last year in the playoffs, and even some early this season, that kind of seemed to go away as the Austin line started to gel, kind of came back a little bit this week, I felt like. Uh, I, you know, they gave up four sacks in that game against Baltimore. I mean, we do know Lael Collins is, is out for the year, so they don't have him. Uh, that, that, I think, is, if there's any kind of, uh, if there's any, you know, thing to kind of pay attention to in regards to, like, what, we could expect uh, that 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 would concern me. I mean, Connor Allen, shout out to Connor Allen. Uh, he's a uh, you know he 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 does uh you know sports betting manager for various different uh, websites. You know, he kind of posted the projected offensive line for uh for the the Bengals with Lyle Collins, Alice Kappa, and John Jonah Williams. You know, potentially out this week or, or are out this week. And there's like four, there's like five dudes all with grades 63 or below, you know, like these, these, these are guys who have not performed well when they got in action. So now they're going to be against the Bills pass rush. That isn't necessarily like just the most ferocious pass rush ever, but you know, Sean McDermott does, is a guy who likes to bring pressure. And, and I, I, I saw firsthand what he did to Mike White and my team when, when he sees Dawson line, that could be a weakness. So that, that, does worry me a little bit if there's anything that i say okay you know what's a, a x factor in this game especially if you're saying how could your team potentially lose if you're picking 
the Bengals. I think that that would be it. You know, we're always going to talk about what they're going to do in uh, with the awesome line play with this team because that's just that's just been their weakness. But I think given the, I think that's more apropos right now because of the injuries. If that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I, I mean, I hear what you're saying. I think that makes sense. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. Um, I, I feel like this. You know, honestly, I feel like a big factor in this game for for me, I think is going to be. And I know, and look, I know this is a passing league, and you know, all anyone wants to talk about is quarterbacks. Um, I feel like the running game for both of these teams is going to be a big X factor, personally. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like if if I, I feel like the, the team that is able to run the ball and control the clock and control the flow of the game is going to win. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, that and turnovers; those are the yeah. two things that I think are going to be big X factors for us. Yeah, I can see that too. And again, it's funny we both pick the Bengals, but like you know, like we're almost talking ourselves into Bills. I think if that's the case, I can pick the Bills because the Bills can can run the football not just with their running game, but also with Josh Allen. So you know, you bring the quarterback running game into this as well. James Cook, who uh, is really starting to run the ball well now, he now becomes a factor in this running game too. So you got Singletary, you got Cook, and now you got Josh Allen. You got something there, you know. This does become a physical kind of game. I, I the reason why I'm still holding firm on the Bengals is just because I just have not seen sharp enough play from the Bills for the last three weeks to feel confident that they can finally put it together. I I'm really starting to feel like they're just kind of I don't say a scar team, but they just they don't play even games. Like I like literally last week we talked about this. We said you got to play an even game to win this week, even though you're playing against the Dolphins. You didn't play an even game. Against the Dolph- against the, the Patriots, even though you won, and we got the same thing. We got this amazing first quarter where, like, all right, you know, the Bills will be able to kind of write in their box score what they what they can score in this game. Maybe it's going to be a kind of a, a, re- a rematch or a replay of what we saw in last year's wild card massacre of the Patriots. But uh, but then we saw the Bill- the Dolphins come back and the Bills let them in the game. And I don't know, there's just something about the way they're playing. That just it doesn't feel like playoff caliber. It doesn't let me, let me not say I'm not say playoff caliber. But it doesn't feel Super Bowl caliber. Like yeah, it doesn't I, feel like a team that's tightened up and buttoned up enough to win a Super Bowl. And I'm not even here to like bash them for it or make that yeah. a thing. Like it, it's it's totally understandable. I just I'm just being honest with what I'm seeing right now. The Bengals didn't look at that at all last week, but I think that might have been more feeling yourself a little bit more not kind of coming in with the right mentality right attitude after uh you know the whole situation with the coin flip and then beating the crap out of the ravens thinking that okay we'll walk through these guys and then not showing up to play but that it should be a good game man josh allen versus joe burrow man that's box office tv uh i can't wait to watch this matchup i think it, it could have very well been the sunday evening game if they wanted to but i understand putting niners and cowboys in that sunday evening game in that prime slot given that those are uh, two of the most premier front uh, organizations in the NFL and throughout the history of this league. So should be a good week. Uh, so final pick. So we're both taking KC, I assume, and yep. we're both taking Philly. Are we both taking the Bengals? I'm taking the Bengals. All right. And what's going on with the Dallas-San Francisco game? Who are you taking? Uh, I'll take Dallas. Take, you'll take Dallas. Wow. Yeah, yeah I'll take Dallas. I feel this like – 
Yeah, go they ahead. looked they looked really good on Monday. I feel yeah. like they carry that momentum, you know, and 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 if McCarthy stays out of their way, <laughs> you know, and just lets them play football, I I feel like, and I feel like this is a team that can put per, get Purdy off of put him off of his p's and q's, and, and just they can rattle. I feel I feel. I just have a feeling. This is definitely the best game. He, this is the best this, team he's played, definitely. This is the best team he's played. I have a feeling in my gut. If they rattle this guy, I think he's going to just crumble. And wow. I could be wrong. I could be wrong. I hope he could prove me wrong and win a Super Bowl. But I feel like if they make him uncomfortable, he's going to crumble. And if this this Dallas offense is rolling, it could get ugly, potentially. So I, I'm picking Dallas. The, the 49ers have scored in their last four games. 37 points against Washington, 37 points against Las Vegas, 38 against Arizona, and then 41 against Seattle. Their offense is just is on is on one right now. I mean, it is completely in sync. I, I gotta go with the Niners, man. I, I I just think that they're they're just they're too complete, and I'm gonna be one of those guys that just says, look, until Brock Purdy proves me wrong, I'm just gonna keep saying that you know they have a better team than most people they're playing against. So. I think you line up these two teams. They're both very talented teams, but the Niners have a slightly better team if you just take away the quarterback. And I, I, at this point, Brock Purdy hasn't shown he's any worse than Dak Prescott. Like, I can't say that from what I've seen from him, at least playing on this team, which is the team he's playing on. So that's all that matters. So I'm going to go with the 49ers. So we're, we're in alignment on three games, except for that last one with the Niners and the Cowboys. It should be interesting. And any thoughts quickly before we get to the, the Lamar or any of these other firings we saw post the first wild card week so you had um multiple coordinators who lost their job yet uh ed donatel in 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 minnesota he got uh fired defensive coordinator you got byron leftwich he also got fired in tampa he's a super bowl winning coordinator that got fired in tampa and then you had uh, uh joe lombardi who uh, was the offense coordinator for the los angeles Chargers, who oversaw that collapse from the offensive side of the ball on uh, Saturday, and he's also let go. Any, any, any one of those stand out to you? Um, probably the left witch firing. Um, now look, this doesn't, this isn't, doesn't seem as because I mean, look, the Tampa they they should have been much better than they were this year, so. I can imagine some kind of heads rolling for, for for how they've played this year. So you know, this isn't a situation where it's like you know, this is you need this is something you point to and say this this is this is clearly discriminatory or anything like that. I can't I couldn't say that, but um, I but man, I mean, gee, that's fast, boy. I think it's go fast. It's like you have one bad season and it's just. That's it, but I know that's the that's how the league works a lot of the time. So, but that one that one is is a little uh, is a little fast. The Vikings, I mean, they 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 just they needed to change something, and and that defense has been an issue all season. Um, so, like like clearly, very clearly, been an issue all season. So that's understandable. But but yeah, I think the left which left which uh, is is a little it's 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 a little definitely a one eighty for me. Yeah, I mean, the Leftwich thing. Leftwich thing was weird because we, I kept hearing that hey, like you know, not hearing as if I had some kind of sources, just reading the reports mm-hmm. that like regardless of what happens this year, there's gonna be some kind of shit coaching shakeup, whether it be 
Bowles getting fired or Leftwich getting fired. Something was going to happen. And the, the Leftwich thing, first of all, as a Jeff fan, I think that he should be uh, on speed dial in terms of people you would look to interview. Yeah. I mean, that sorry list that they put out of guys they were interviewing and that included somehow uh, Daryl Bevel, who, to his credit, was the most accomplished guy on the list, but he is still Daryl Bevel. And this is who the Jets were going after after firing Mike LaFleur. I mean, if you can get this guy in here, Byron Leftwich, I think you do it in a heartbeat. You, know, you can't look at a team that had no <laughs> no offensive line this year and say, well, this is more of what is a, is a testament to Byron Leftwich than what we saw in the first two years of him in Tampa with Tom Brady. Tom Brady didn't look like Tom Brady behind no offensive line this year, so I think that he deserves some grace with that. Um, the Lombardi thing, though, is is – is the one that I look at because mm. why is why the fact that Staley got off the hook, I almost think is m- more egregious than Ty Bowles getting left, left off the hook because at least with Bowles, this is his first year in Tampa. And while I was not, there's nothing I saw that should have maybe inspired confidence that like he's going to do a great job next year. It is, it is his first year. So, okay, maybe we get another shot. Like clearly that team was overrated. Like they, they had, they were overrated team. They were an older team in spots. Guys went down that they didn't expect. And then, like I said, the injuries to the offensive line, the lack of play from the offensive line, like only so much you could do. Again, he didn't help them at all. But you could give me, you could make me a case that he deserved to to go to stay. With Staley, and I know you can make the case that he had some of those similar things where you have offensive line issues and things like that. But with him, it's always about game management. We talk about like his issues, like. You could argue, despite Bowles' game management issues himself, that even a good coach couldn't have like put together a season that would have been worthy of, of, of you know, a, a deep playoff run given what happened to the Bucks. With the the Chargers, it seemed like they still were in a position to make a run even with those injuries, but their coach got in the way. Like, what do we see again in that game against uh, the Chargers? We saw his team lose their cool. You got your star player slamming helmets, not listening to you as you're telling them to calm down because you're going to cost them a penalty and then still slamming helmets. You saw a team that lacked lacked composure as things were starting to kind of unravel, lacked adjustments, and gave up. In my opinion, I put I tweeted it, and I, I, I swear I don't feel like this was hyperbole. I think that was the worst playoff loss ever. And I know there are other games that had bigger deficits, like – the, the the definitely the the Bills beating the Oilers back in like ninety God, forgive me ninety two ninety three I think uh, some one of those years um, that obviously comes up comes to mind you got with Frank Reich making that miracle comeback you got the Giants losing to the 49ers. there there are other games that probably had worse deficits but I think in those other games it felt like the team that was up like was playing extremely well. And then, like, you know, the other team came back and won. Like, this game, like, the Jaguars gave you. Gave you four turnovers, five turnovers in the first half. And they gave you four interceptions. And you still couldn't come away with that win against a team that is all young guys that have never been there before. It was a future performance. Lombardi is not, he is not necessarily... Distinguish, distinguish himself as a as a as an offensive coordinator, you know, for a guy to have like you know 
a Ferrari as a quarterback. They seem to run an offense that is extremely conservative, that doesn't push the ball down the field, doesn't seem to accentuate his strengths in Justin Herbert. But it just felt like he was a fall guy. Like, his team scored 27 points in the first half. Like, I don't know what more. Like, they that, that's a game they should win. The fact that you couldn't, the defense that get, had four interceptions in the first half couldn't, absolutely could not stop the Jaguars in the second half, which that's Staley's thing. And then game management issues, composure issues, that's supposed to be Staley's job. And, like, they failed on both of those ends, and he kept his job, and Lombardi gets fired. I don't know. I'm not saying Lombardi should have kept his job. I think you should have cleaned house, if you ask me. So it's not just them firing someone with the last name Lombardi. <laughs> <laughs> Look, uh, I got I got love for Lombardi. I mean, you know, he he is uh, maybe arguably the most famous uh, alumni alumnus of our high school. Saint Francis, Francis Pratt. Of course, you're a Packer fan, but um, yes. but look again, like it's not like his grandson had done a lot that that made me feel like oh he definitely deserves an opportunity to come back. I just I watched that game and thought, oh, like Daly has to be fired. Like you can't bring him back after this. Like that's 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 an abomination. Yeah, I think I remember you saying that. Yeah, yeah I, I mean, I, I'm 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 like legitimately shocked that he's back. I'm just like, twenty seven point lead to the Jaguars and you lose and you were brought back. I mean, that's unacceptable to me. Like I, I don't know. Like I, if I was a Chargers fan, I'd be like, what the hell are we doing? Sorry. And then Sean Payton's out there. Like like we I talked to you before when I, we talked about this last week. I said, look. I don't know why the hell Sean Payton wants these jobs. Now, he did do a really good interview with Tom <laughs> Cahart where he kind of explained it, but I still don't know. I, I don't know. Well, I, I don't know because I do know now. I don't know if I necessarily agree with his assessment of some of those teams. But, okay, he's Sean Payton, and he knows what he can do. Like, all power to him. He thinks the Texans have great promise. I, I don't understand it, but okay. Whatever. I mean, if you have the Chargers, Sean Payton's out there. You got... Justin Herbert, you got Los Angeles, where you know Sean Payton's had fun, you know, spending time this year, and you keep Brandon Staley. I mean, you gotta think that if you fire Staley, like Sean Payton's, like I don't say he's in the bag, but you gotta think that you're a, easily a finalist. If you had a shot at Sean Payton, and I'm firing Brandon Staley, like especially given what I just saw. Yeah, yeah, no, I mean, I, I'm with you. I, I don't really, you know. And this is such a cutthroat league. It's hard to to kind of see how how he is still in the position that he's in. Right. Um. And look, I just, I'm just going to be honest. I hate to go here, but I feel like if if his name was Brian Flores or or you know just fill in any any of the black coaches that the several many black coaches that are in the league, he would have been fired. Um. Immediately. But you know. Uh, you know, I don't know. It, it, it's just, it's strange to me. That's what I, I think that's probably the best way to put it. It's odd that, that he, that he is still in the position that he's in. Um, It's not, it's not Jeff Saturday odd, but it's, 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 it's in between that and like normal. It's like, it's still very odd, you know? Yeah. Yeah, it is. I mean, it is his second year. He did go to the playoffs in his second year after missing in his first year. But just like two seasons ending the way they did for the Jag- for the Chargers. The way it ended in Las Vegas last season and then it ends this season in Jacksonville that way. Like I that's like the worst way to end two seasons. He did it back to back years and catch his job. Like that 
that to me is unbelievable. It's unbelievable. And again, and you know, I'm not here saying, look, uh, one thing I, I, I feel like I try to be sensitive to is, is look, like these are people's livelihoods, their families involved. So right. I'm not saying, oh, like I'm thrilled and waiting for, hoping this man gets fired. Like that man has a family, obviously. Yeah. But and, yeah, go ahead. No, I was gonna say, and and look, also, I mean, I think we we got. Well, no, actually, we didn't. So, so I don't know what relationship he has with the Chargers, um, you know, players. I don't know yeah. if they rally around him. If they, he doesn't seem like that kind of coach. But I don't know, right? I mean, he, he well, Herbert, the way Joey like, Bosa was acting, he he Joey Bosa was a lunatic uh, on Saturday. Like, he, I mean, he well, yeah, he clearly don't seem to have the respect of him at the very least. Yes, um, I agree with that. Because if he had yeah. answered for his coach, he would have been acting like that. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I don't know. I, I can't say for certain. But, but I mean, sure, there's other factors that I'm sure would go into that evaluation. But it's just from the outside looking in, it seems a little odd, especially when, as you as you pointed out, there seem to be better candidates out there. Yeah. There certainly seem to be better candidates. But, you know, hopefully for his sake, hopefully for – Chargers' sake, they can get a new OC that can change their life. Uh, that should be a job that's very coveted. So that should be one thing. Like, that's a job that I would think that anybody who wants to get into coaching, I know, you know, you saw, I don't know if you saw the report that the, uh, well, I can't remember his name. The guy who was in Arizona, Cliff Kingsbury. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. Um, that, you know, he, he's basically told teams, like, look, I'm not interested in coming to coach right now. I'm going to Thailand and I'm just going to be by myself for a little while. Which proud of him, man. You got the money to go, just go away and go off the grid. A lot of people would take that choice, so more power to him. But as long if you're a coach that has some cachet and wants to coach, I'm sure this would be a great job to call plays for Justin Herbert and some of the weapons that they got. Uh, I, I'd be fascinated to see what they do there. But yeah, I was a little surprised by that. I'm curious to see what happens in Minnesota with a new defensive staff. The defense was a problem. I don't necessarily feel like they had the best personnel. But, again, you're playing against a giant team that's not necessarily an offensive team, and they just march up and down the field against you. I mean, they they could not stop the Giants. You would have thought the Giants were an offensive team based on how that game went. Like, the Giants just had no problems moving the ball all day, and there seemed to be no way to stop them. Something had to give, so I guess you understand the decision there. But all three jobs, very interesting jobs, because these are teams that I think are interesting, you know. Eh, we know the Bucks because I don't know something Tom Brady, but definitely the Vikings and the Chargers jobs. Like to me, those teams look like if you just fix their defense, and for the Chargers, you just fix, you know, the lack of explosion on offense that you could be in a Super Bowl next year. So both of those jobs look very attractive, if you ask me. But uh, we interested to see how things go. Let's do wrap the show now talking about this Lamar situation. So the Ravens were one of the teams eliminated from the playoffs last week. And now that attention is going to turn to what's going on with Lamar Jackson and this contract, which is upset to expire this offseason. After a tumultuous week where Lamar Jackson took to Twitter to make cryptic comments about the importance of valuing good things you have in life and, and scrubbing the Ravens off of his IG in terms of his bio and scrubbed his profile picture off of his bio, all the weird stuff you see athletes do when they're <laughs> unhappy about a contract. Lamar is doing all of it right now. Despite all that, you had the Ravens brass doubling down on Thursday as today as we record this podcast. 
saying that they expect a, to reach a deal with their star quarterback. Um, you had John Harbaugh saying, you know, it's 200% that he wants Lamar Jackson back, that the organization wants Lamar Jackson back. You had uh, the GM saying that they uh, they want him to return. Both sides have until March to complete a deal or Lamar will be hit with a franchise tag. And when that happens, that will keep him from getting to unrestricted free agency. But you can imagine the black blood that will continue if he somehow gets to that point and there's no contract and he gets tagged. Uh, there's no way I think he would play under that tag given what we saw from him this End of the year, though, I don't even know what to make of how this year ended because he got a lot of heat from some people who kind of, you know, analyze this game. You know, Sean Payton, Michael Vick, basically saying, you know, you got to go out there and play when you got a chance to go to a Super Bowl. And, and you know, Sean Payton said that, you know, he knows people in that organization and that he, he if he had to guess, he don't think Lamar Jackson's going to be back because of what's happened. I don't know. Uh, it's something the Ravens put on a, a very convincing face t- today talking about this, but I'm still I'm still unsure. I still have doubt that Lamar is going to be back. Do you? Yeah, I have a lot of doubt. Um, you know, I mean, I don't know. I don't know where Lamar is going to be. I don't know. I mean, EJ, I'm sure you'll be have your have your. Uh, I'm sure you'll be following this very closely. I don't know if you're going to be a Jet. You know, I know that's still a thing. A lot of Jet fans, <laughs> a lot of Jet fans are hoping for, crossing, crossing their fingers for. Um, but I don't know if he's going to go to some other team. I don't know. But, but it's. Then I feel like I feel like we've said this, um, you know, several times, probably in the last few shows that we did. That it just there seems to just be a just a, just like a giant chasm between him and the Baltimore just the Ravens as an organization. It's just, it's clear as day that they just do not see eye to eye. Now, you know, if the Ravens are, I mean, I know these negotiations can take time and they can, a lot of back and forth and, you know, and, and I mean, I even, even in, in kind of, I guess what I do in my day job, I have to engage in negotiations and, you know, Mm -hmm reach a conclusion immediately you know you have to go back and forth and back and forth sometimes like you have to you know people have to weigh okay am i willing to accept this am i not willing to accept this and it's it takes time but you know but it, it seems like lamar is entirely willing to just not play for this team anymore i don't know if he wants to stay in baltimore like i don't i don't know He's been so vocal throughout this season to the point where it's like, I mean, does he does he want it? I don't even know. Does he want to play in Baltimore? Like, I don't – if he can get – I think he wants to be paid guaranteed, fully guaranteed money. That's what he wants. Right. He wants – I think he – I think if it was a choice, he'd prefer that to be to Baltimore. He's tried to make that be the destination for the last two years as they've been negotiating. But Baltimore seems unwilling to give him that for some reason. Yeah. I mean, it's it's to the point where it's like he's he is, I think he's a hundred percent, undoubtedly, un, un, like without even blinking, he would walk away if they if Baltimore came to him and said, "There's no way we're paying you that money, there's no way we're giving you <laughs> uh, that." Which I mean, they're not they're not saying they will. So I think he's willing to walk away. He's just like, "Well, then I want out. Get me out. Or I'm not going to play." I feel like I that seems to be where we're at. And when you're at yeah. a, when you're at a, a place like that, 
it's not going to be resolved in a, in a way that benefits Baltimore. You know, it's definitely not going to be in a way that benefits Baltimore. That's that's all kind of all I'll say about that. Yeah, and look, like I said, like I, I think he. What does Lamar really want, like, to be in Baltimore? I'm like, I think Lamar really wants to get paid. I think that that's clear. And I have zero fault for him for feeling that way. To me, if you're the Ravens, and why I think there's still doubt in my eyes is if you, if, I don't think Lamar's budging off of the fully guaranteed contract. Like, to me, he, his numbers and his career and what the market value is, like, if Kirk Cousins can have a fully guaranteed contract, if Deshaun Watson after everything he went through, can't have a fully guaranteed contract. Lamar Jackson is right up there to have a fully guaranteed contract. No questions asked. They don't want to give it to him because of his, his the way he plays and the way he puts his body on the line. But look, man, that's the price of doing business. If you're talking about a guy who's an elite level quarterback or, you know, somewhere in the top 10, if you're not saying he's top five or whatever, like that's just the, that's the, that's the price. And, if the Ravens weren't going to give him that before this last incident of the knee situation and, you know, the word maybe he could have played and he's saying uh, knee instability and whatever, like, if that's the case, like, I, I just don't know what changes in a month. Like, what like what makes you decide now, okay, well, now we'll give you fully guaranteed money. Like, why will, and like, I, right. I don't see Lamar moving off his number. There's no reason to. In fact, exactly. the NFLPA would, and other quarterbacks from the league would hope that he doesn't because they're like, this sets the market. Like, you need to take them, you need to get your market full market value. There are other teams who, if you become available in the trade market, will sign you to a fully guaranteed contract. You can't take less because Baltimore is saying, well, we love you and remember all the good times and here's, you know, you know, 80 cents on the dollar. You can't do that. So he's not going to move off. So now it becomes a Baltimore thing where it's like, are you going to move off? And if you didn't move off before, why would you do it now? And if you do move off that now and do give him that guarantee contract, why didn't you give it to him this season? Like, maybe exactly. you maybe you cost yourself a chance to win a Super Bowl this season because you didn't give him that money. Exactly. Like, who would say if you gave, if he had a fully guaranteed contract? And let's say, you know, he's saying he's very gimpy and he's it was unsafe to go out there. Then there's this rumor that maybe he could have played. Let's say I, I'm I'm not, I am not gonna play doctor. But let's just say, for argument's sake, that was more on that other side that he really could have given it a go, but he wasn't gonna put his light livelihood at risk because of not having a contract. Well, then you just cost yourself a chance to win the Super Bowl. You you because you didn't want to give Lamar the money that you were gonna give him anyway. He didn't go out there and play, and you you somehow almost found a way to pull off a miracle against the Bengals. But at the end of the day, you lost and. Had Lamar been out there, kind of like how uh, uh, J.K. Dobbins said, you probably won that game. So that, to me, becomes business malpractice. Like, you you, you just procrastinated on a deal that you were going to give him anyway, and then you actually cost yourself a chance at the Super Bowl and put him out there in harm's way for another year unnecessarily. So mm-hmm. that's why, I mean, I, I don't know what to make of the comments I heard today. I think they're probably holding. I hope that they can get him at that lower number. But, you know, remember, these – Lamar doesn't have an agent. So, that, you know, that that does place a factor in some some in some way. But I'm sure he has people or advisors that they talk around the league. Like, someone's telling him, hey, 
you ever go on the trade market, someone's giving you this fully guaranteed contract you want. So this idea that like he has to just take whatever Baltimore is giving him is just nonsense. He doesn't. As Absolutely. long as he knows that there are people out there willing to give up the trade, the draft cap, the, tra- the trade capital that it will take, and the money it would take, which he, I know for a fact, I don't know for a fact, but I, I would bet <laughs> anything that he knows. He knows that information. So right, it doesn't make sense for him unless he decides that he wants to be a good soldier. He really wants to play in Baltimore for some reason. That's the only reason he, that would make him come back to me. But. To me, the question becomes, will the Ravens give Lamar a fully guaranteed contract? If you believe they will, then I think he will stay. If you don't believe they will, then I think he's gone. If you ask me today, I think I lean that they don't give it to him, and therefore he's not playing with the Ravens next year. And maybe this is like the beginning of like a very long PR play that the Ravens know will end with him being on another team. So they got to make it look good, you know, as they say. You know, they, you know if someone fakes a death something, like, oh, make it look good. I almost feel like this may be the Ravens kind of making it look good, but making it look like they're going to do everything they can to keep him when it's very clear what he wants. It's not very complicated. And yep. and I think eventually we'll get to him getting tagged in March, there being a whole catastrophe about him not showing up to camp and him being frustrated, and eventually them saying, all right, well, then we're going to trade him. I think for NFL teams, we'll get interesting is how will – how willing are the Ravens to make this uncomfortable for Lamar and for them? Because teams are going to want to know very soon whether or not this is going to be an option because there are a lot of teams who need quarterbacks. Teams are also going to want to know before the draft if this is an option. So, like, once the guy's tagged, like, there's nothing they can do about it. Like, he's tagged. That, like, the Ravens don't have to do anything at that point, technically. But... It's almost like if he was like a lineman or he was like a corner or like a wide receiver, like it almost wouldn't matter when they eventually decide to trade him. But it's almost like because he's a quarterback and such an important position, like they, they like teams would really want to know, like, are you trading him or not? And maybe they're able to use that to their to their uh, to their benefit and to their advantage. Maybe they say we'll tag him, but we'll we'll bide our time. And maybe we'll get to a point where those other teams who would have been interested in him won't be interested because. They will have to make a case or make a play for somebody. Like the Jets can't wait until June or July, right before training camp, say, "Okay, we'll make a move for Lamar." Like they need to have that thing figured out way earlier than that. They needed to, uh, whether it be Derek Carr, whether it be Aaron Rodgers, whether it be Jimmy Garoppolo, whether it be anybody. Like they, that needs to get answered well earlier than that. There are plenty of other teams that we need to have answers way earlier than that. So do the Ravens did do that, and they say, "Look, we'll just hold on to you and not trade you anywhere." And those teams that say they want you, they won't have a choice but to move on and then you have to come back to us and sign the contract we give you i don't know just seems like a very nasty game that's about to be played uh but it will be fascinating to watch i'll be having my popcorn ready and if he becomes available for the jets i will be eagerly waiting to see what happens there yeah yeah i mean it's 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 definitely gonna be something to watch um you know like you said it doesn't seem there doesn't seem to be this doesn't look like it's going in a positive direction no. for for Baltimore particularly. It's looking like and it's looked like for a long time that that Lamar is just he is about his money and right and look he's he's a player and he wants to this this we know how the NFL works we know how these NFL players put their bodies on the line and 
you know how there's a lot of kind of shady things going on with whether with how the NFL treats retired players and and, and all that. And uh, he wants his money, and he is going out of his way to say, "I, I believe I'm worth this much. Pay me this much. Give me this contract that I know I'm worth. <laughs> that I, the league knows. Everyone watching on TV knows I'm worth. Give me this. And if they don't want to give him to him, there's. I mean, at that point, it's just." You know, you can come back with a different offer, but he's going to reject it. And there's nothing at that point. There's, there's nothing left to discuss. It seems like they've reached that point a while ago. So I think we're just going to see. We're just going to have to see where Lamar lands uh, before the next season. And I also think that the Ravens didn't do themselves favors with how they. It might not have been even them, but just people in the organization participating in the smear campaign against Lamar Jackson. Like Lamar clearly felt like he had to say something. Yep about his knee because the work of getting out there that maybe he's not going out there because he doesn't have a contract and you got yep. Sean Payton saying, Hey, people are telling me that they think he can still play and he ain't playing. And now maybe he's going to be gone. Like that, that, that caused Lamar to have to do damage control in a way that also maybe didn't make him look that great. Like a lot of people didn't like what he did. <laughs> uh, so yeah, this is, this doesn't look good. I mean, Again, they put on a very convincing face today talking about it, but I think it was fool's gold. I, I think that this is the beginnings of a separation, but I think the Ravens are trying to play the long game here and play every card they have before deciding, okay, we got to move on. But we see, we'll see. It's going to be it's gonna be interesting to watch. But I think that's going to do it. This edition of New Generation Sports Talk. So thank you guys so much for listening in. Of course, if you enjoyed this show, you can catch all of our shows on New Generation Podcast Network. That's on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and SoundCloud, and Stitching. Also, be sure to check us out on YouTube, New Generation Media, as well. We'll be having new YouTube content coming up shortly, so make sure you keep uh, us locked in there, New Generation Media. Follow us on social media. We're on Twitter, New Generation Pod, Instagram, New Generation Podcast. And follow us individually on Twitter, on social media. You can find me on Twitter, EJ underscore Stewart, Instagram, Action EJ. Shamar can be found on Instagram and Snapchat, MTShan22. For Shamari, I'm EJ. Take it easy, guys. Peace.